Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, my fellow travelers, wanderlust sufferers. I am your leader. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm Mike Siegel, your host and creator of said podcast. Thank you so much for listening. My guest today is Jim Piquel. Before we get to him, I uh, have a, a few things to say. One is about the website, TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there, see articles that I've written, some of the guests have written, uh, see photos and stories about the guests. And also, you may notice, uh, if you go to the website, that the player, the live player, the streaming player there, is uh, different than it used to be. We had the old Libsyn player, and now it's hosted by Art19, which is a company founded by uh, Matt Belknap, from the Never Not Funny podcast, uh, Jimmy Pardo's podcast, which I've done a number of times. And Matt and a bunch of other guys started this uh, hosting company for podcasts and invited uh, Travel Tales to be on it. So I'm uh, very honored that he asked. And if you go there, you'll notice that the player looks cool. It sounds great. And they will be hosting the podcast files uh, from here on in. So none of you uh, have to change anything unless... Uh, you were trying to find this on Libsyn. I don't know how many of you listen that way. Most of you listen through iTunes or the site itself. But for those of you who subscribe to the Libsyn site itself, uh, I apologize for the confusion. But if you're hearing this, you found me. And thanks again to Matt Belknap and everybody over at Art19. Here's to a prosperous future. And speaking of the website, if you go there, there's also links to our social media, which is, of course... Instagram, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's links to our Facebook page. Go to the like us over there, will you? Also links to Stitcher Radio and iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, I'll ask it yet again. Why not give us a good rating while you're over there? That helps people find the show. That boosts our presence. That's always a cool thing. And always costs you nothing. All right, I mentioned this a little bit before uh, about my Airbnb experience as a host. And if you go to the website at TravelTalesPodcast.com, click on the articles section, you'll see my latest article there is about my uh, nightmare story of being a host on Airbnb with my spare room here. I did it twice. First experience was great with a very nice young Australian couple. Very polite, great experience, worked out awesome. The second experience, not so well. I'll cut right to the chase and not to bury the lead here. But basically, uh, a guy rented my spare room and went on a four-day heroin binge in my house. <laughs> and needless to say, that uh, scared me off being a host for a little while. So uh didn't completely scare me off Airbnb. I used Airbnb when I was in uh, Malaga, Spain, and it worked out great. But I haven't yet mentally prepared for hosting again. We'll see. Which brings me to my guest. There are other options out there besides Airbnb, and one of them is HomeExchange.com. And through my friend Allie, who works at a PR firm that represents HomeExchange.com, she connected me with the president of the company, Jim Piquel, and set up this interview. Now, for regular listeners, I have to put a disclaimer out there. You'll notice that maybe it sounds a little different. And the reason for that is this is a Skype call. 
We did it all over the phone, which is a very common thing in broadcasting nowadays, but I've had mixed results in the past with it in terms of dropped calls, poor sound quality, etc., etc., etc. But I recently updated my operating system and got some new software, and this seemed to work out pretty well. Other than the fact that my voice tended to be a little lower in the mix, I'm still working out the kinks, but um, this can open up a new door for the Travel Tales podcast in terms of uh, getting more guests, because... As you can imagine, when you host a travel podcast, a lot of potential guests are always gone on the road at every corner of the globe. So hopefully this could open up the door to a whole new range of guests. It's the future, folks. Can't fight it anymore. Anyway, let's move on right now and meet my guest, the president of HomeExchange.com, Jim Pickell. Tell me your first experience with uh, HomeExchange.com and how you got involved. Sure. Uh, Actually, I had exited from another startup and was living in what was once upon a time a second home of ours down in Baja, California. And we realized that it was prohibitively expensive to get back to Southern California to visit family for any length of time. And uh, we decided to give the home exchanging concept a shot and I wrote a nice introduction and included some pictures of my family. I had a two-year-old at the time and uh, was just totally blown away by how successful we were on so many levels. Uh, First of all, we managed to find a home a mile from my father's house who was undergoing a surgery uh, and it was a beautiful five bedroom house right near the water. So that was, you know, uh, an auspicious beginning. And then beyond that, another response was from a gentleman named Ed Cushions who said, sorry, my home's unavailable, but you have an interesting background. Why don't we meet for breakfast? And, uh, fast forward, uh, a year, uh, it turns out that that was the founder of the company didn't identify himself as such. And we just got to know each other and got to talking. It took me a while to figure out who he was. And long story short, I, I started consulting and then a, a, a became an employee of the company. And, and now uh, Ed is slowly slowing down. It's hard to say that. Yeah. <laughs> He's been involved for 23, 24 years now. And I'm taking a more active role in in uh, the direction of the company. So Home Exchange was a uh, service that predated the internet, basically. It, 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 believe it or not, it started as a printed catalog where you lick stamps and wow. drop dropped an envelope into snail mail. <laughs> a lot more like uh, engaging with a pen pal uh, than the uh, immediate gratification we have today. Right. So. Um, for people who've never heard of it and don't know what home exchange is about, it's literally you exchange homes for people and you charge a fee, a one, one time a year fee. But other than that, there's no money exchanged, right? That's absolutely right. You stay in my home. I stay in yours. Uh, we charge a annual membership of $150 and many of our members are saving 10, 20, $30,000 plus in any given year. It's a phenomenally uh, reasonably priced product in today today's uh, day and age. 
And I think when I know I checked out the website and everything else, and I've used Airbnb and and services like that. The big difference here is uh, obviously no money's exchanged, but also when people are exchanging homes, I think there's a lot of people out there that go, well, I only have like a one bedroom apartment, and if I see I go there and I see, well, I, it's, is it a home? Uh, do most people have like two three bedroom places? I mean, how does this work? Is that a fair exchange? What is a fair exchange? Yeah, well, you touched on two points. Uh, the first I'd like to make is we're we're really pretty fundamentally different than a peer-to-peer rental site. And while there, of course, is overlap in the type of homes you'd find on both, uh, people come on to our site not to uh, find a substitute for a cheap hotel room. They really, more than wanting to exchange homes, they want to exchange a whole experience. So, you know, take a family like mine. I have two children and all of the uh, inconveniences that go with renting in hotel rooms, uh, a lot of that can be uh, uh, eliminated if I find a family that I really connect with that share some of my interests. So a perfect example, a couple of years ago, we decided, hey, it's time to get our son into skiing. You know, he's four years old now. And uh, I, I was shocked at how cost prohibitive it is to bring my kids skiing these days. And what we found is that a lot of people that live in Big Bear or Tahoe or Mammoth or ultimately even uh, Montana or Park City, uh, they, they live there, they raise their family there, their kids are good skiers, they have all the fun toys. They want to escape the winter. They don't want to be there during the busy season. They can yeah. get all the... So we find this connection where... They want the beach experience that I live with my uh, beach cruiser and my paddleboard, and I want the ski experience they have. And because of uh, school schedules and whatnot, a lot of times the only time we have to travel are when the kids get off of school these days. Uh, we both get exactly what we want. And, you know, yeah, you could get a condo for rent with the bare furnishings, through a peer-to-peer rental site, number one, you're probably paying five, six, seven hundred to over a thousand a night for the four-bedroom house that we need. Uh, and number two, it's not really what we're looking for. We love pulling in where there's a, a child seat for our kids. There's a sled in the backyard sitting there. You know, maybe even there's a car in the garage. Uh, it is a lot about a level of intimacy, trust, and, you know, people are exchanging experiences, not just the homes, uh, that tightness, uh, of community. I, I've been involved in the peer to peer rental sites for many years, uh, listing my homes and I earn a little income from them. I've never had that level of relationship built from just a straight tenant landlord relationship. Do you find that the, would you say the typical, uh, person that uses, Home exchange is uh, are, are is it mostly families? Do you think? I mean, uh, no, I think that it appeals to people that have some level of flexibility, and that includes a number of different demographics. You know, there's almost no one that it doesn't appeal to. But if you take someone in the remote workplace, for example, or you take someone, let's say, a retired couple that has a ton of flexibility. 
on when and how they travel, uh, they love it because sometimes they're on a fixed income. If you take families, well, you don't have check-in, check-out times. You can benefit from a full kitchen. You really don't need to pay a dime more than you would staying at home, and you can travel during the high season as long as you can get there, and sometimes that's not too difficult. So anyone uh, that has a lot of flexibility, I work from home, 90% of our staff works from home, they can be anywhere in the world they want. I just was talking to our head of uh, technology this morning who is in Dublin, and he said, did you know that I'm in Croatia this week? I said, no, I didn't, <laughs> right? So, uh, and I think that's the direction the world's headed where where you are becomes less and less important if you can connect and get a good broadband connection. Exactly. And and uh, I heard a, a new some new terminology uh, in the past couple of weeks, you're probably familiar with it. I heard the term flash packers instead mm-hmm. of backpackers. And it's people that, you know, the, the new generation of students have a $2,000 backpack or, or a laptop in their backpack. They're not what I did, you know, after college for exactly. three months. Me too. Right. And they're working and they're helping pay for their trip while they're on the trip. So, mm-hmm. um, we appeal to them as well. Anyone that has a little flexibility, uh, because all of a sudden, instead of saying, I want a three-bedroom house with a jacuzzi in Mammoth Mountain within, with ski in, ski out, you say, hey, I can be anywhere for those 10 days. And you, you look at a, uh, our ski collection and you click the button, must have fast broadband. Then all of a sudden, the whole world is your oyster and you can be anywhere. Yeah. Um, that brings up another thing for me. Like I... Uh Flexibility, you know, when you when you look at that and go, okay, I want to be gone these dates. Let's say I pick a week in October. I want to be gone, but is that contingent that I have to? Somebody else will have to use my place while I'm gone on those exact dates, or else it's not going to work. Right? Yeah. So I'm using flexibility in a number of ways, and and number one, it's the more flexible you are in terms of where you go. And I don't mean to keep coming back to the ski vacation, but I guess I'm thinking about it because it's September and I have nothing planned for Christmas week yet. Uh, But being open on where you go and willing to think a little out of the box, even though you've gone 20 years to the same ski resort to say, hey, should we try something new? Then on dates, uh, usually with a little advanced planning, uh, you can get your dates whenever they are and find something that meets your needs, even in the high season over Christmas. Last year, uh, we went to uh, Hawaii and we went to Park City uh, over the Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday with under 14 days advance notice. We just winged it and said, let's do it. We already have plans this Thanksgiving to go to Hawaii again all uh, with free accommodations. Now, to your point on, well, what about the person staying in your home? So uh, we do have a little surf casita down in southern Baja, uh, Baja, California, Mexico, that gives us a ton of flexibility because nine months a year it's not rented, and we can tell people, you can go down whenever you want. It's that flexible, and that is a tremendous asset for us to utilize that was sitting vacant. It was an underutilized asset, sitting idle. 
Um, however, I would say about 30% of our exchanges are using our primary home. And uh, I would say about half of those are simultaneous, meaning I'm in their house, they're in my house at exactly the same time. But then there's a whole other uh, 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 group of people that say, tell you what, my home is not occupied when you want to go. Just use it. We'll figure something out. Happens all the time. So two years ago, we went and visited. I don't even remember where. I think it was the San Juan Islands. And they said, someday I'll want to go to Newport. Uh, well, just before this summer, they said, hey, any chance I could come visit this summer? We were going to visit my wife's parents. My wife's from Italy. And our house was going to be vacant for an entire month this summer. We said, the house is vacant. Would love to have you. Uh, here's where the key is. Make yourself at home. So by flexible, it's not that you need to agree to really onerous terms uh, for yourself. It's just, you know, be a little flexible on arrival dates or how you think about the whole thing. It's much more fluid uh, than you might imagine. And the irony is uh, you'll end up coming out ahead probably more times than you come out behind right. if you're willing to be a little flexible. Well, this is what I was a little confused about because if, say, I want to go, I picked a date in, uh, let's say, November that I want to go to Aspen. Yep. And my early thought is, well, it's an exchange. I got to hope that that one person I want their place in Aspen is going to want my place in L.A. for that same week. Well, if you have a decent profile, the person likes you because there is a real relationship that is built leading up to this and getting to know each other is a big part of it. Uh, and we can talk about that. But very often, this is exactly what happened to us last year in Park City. The response was, hey, uh, I'll tell you what, I just had a rental cancel, $1,200 a night right above Main Street in Park City. Uh, why don't you just take it? And I don't know when I'm going to be to Newport Beach or Baja, California, uh, but hopefully you'll work something out for me when it happens. And that was a year ago. So far, it is what it is. And, you know, you, you, there's a whole lot with the concept of uh, playing it forward involved. And that okay. is the nature of our entire community. So this is an honor system, really, in, in terms of like, I want to go there in Aspen. And there's that, okay, there's a place available, but nobody wants to use my place in L.A. for that same week. They can go, hey, uh, a year from now or six months later, hey, you used my place in Aspen. I want to come down to uh, L.A. this particular week, say in February. You know, um, is, this, is this, do I, I don't want to say quote unquote, owe him, you know, mm -hmm. like a, a week? Yeah. So you, in, in one way, you're describing it accurately. But in another way, use of the term honor system and owing is uh, uh, far more stringent than the organic way this plays out. And what I've found, just to give you an example, is you asked about room sizes. OK, when someone first joins our community, they tend to approach it as a very linear way of thinking, a quid pro quo. I give this, I get that. I give this, I get that. I don't understand. My place is three bedrooms, and I'm giving them seven days, and I'm only getting two bedrooms and five days, right? Mm -hmm. And all of the things you're describing are common perceptions of someone, including me when I first joined. 
because I actually had a rack rental rate for my vacation home. And occasionally when I'd look to exchange, I'd look at what something might go for. And the Ed Cushions laughed at me and said, don't worry, you'll get it. Just do a couple exchanges. And the level of trust and hospitality so far exceeds the model you're talking about. It's the realization that, hey, I'm sitting on something that is just vacant, going to waste, put it to you somehow. And um, the feeling you get back from that in terms of sharing, the utilization from your asset, the satisfaction, and inevitably the concept is the more you contribute this to, to the community, the more you will benefit getting back. Yeah, every one out of 10 times you may say, stay at my place. And then a year later, if you go to email that person, they're not part of it anymore. But it's so far uh, compensated by what you get in return. In fact, if anything, my biggest surprise being involved in this is how humbled I am by how good some people that are at, at hosting, especially in Europe, you know, I'll show up. There's an entire refrigerator filled with food with written descriptions of what the, the items are, where they come from, and why they're special from the region. How do you place a value on that? Right. You know, And if I need a one-bedroom house for a business trip, I don't really care that I'm giving someone a three-bedroom house for two days longer that's sitting vacant. You know, I've satisfied my need. So uh, and and I found that words don't do this justice, but inevitably anyone that's had three, four or five exchanges, 98 percent of them will describe it the way I'm describing it to you right now. They their whole perception of how they view it. It's not an accounting balance sheet. Uh, it's it's how do you value life experiences? Right. right? I mean, but there is also an expense of somebody staying in your house when, in, in, as opposed to it being empty. I mean, they're using the power, they're using water and all yeah. the other stuff. I, um, I, so my assessment on that in just one sentence is the, the, the benefit that you receive over time in being a member. You know, talk to anyone that's been a member two, three, four, nine, twenty years. So far outweighs the incidental costs of whether it's a broken glass or an air conditioning unit, uh, that it's not even part of the equation anymore. It just becomes a, uh, uh, a variable that's not very relevant to the thought process at that time. Is there a, a rating, a review system for each uh, guest and member? You know, g given what I read about some of your experience with peer-to-peer -peer <laughs> -peer rentals, it's, yeah. a, it's a fabulous question. And, you know, I've had a mixed set of experiences renting myself. Uh, I really struggled with that as the president of the company for a long time. Everyone I meet says, you need a, you need a review service. You need a rating service. And, uh, and I kept struggling with it and thinking, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And uh, on some level, I really don't like to call what we have reviews, even though right now that's what it's called. And the reason is, imagine we're, we're, we're about the relationship and we're about the experience. Imagine if a dating site you reviewed the people you went on a date with, how that would play out for the site, right? And really where we're evolving is trying to capture feedback in a credible way 
without it being five stars, you know, because most of our exchangers, they're exchanging a couple times a year. They're not hotel rooms with 30,000 people and their relationships are unique, right? right? And it's mutual. So you have this possibility that everyone's giving everyone five stars. That's been a criticism of some of the peer-to-peer car services now that the driver's rating you, you're rating the driver. Of course, you're going to give each other five stars, right? Right. Um, but what we're doing is trying to th- think of it more like a guest book where if you're visiting a and b you write something, you write anything you want, and it sits at the door. And maybe the proprietor could black it out and redact it if it was horrible if they want to. But for the most part, it's about being authentic and saying, I couldn't tell you how much I enjoyed your home. That's what people want. They want to know the type of experience someone else had. And a lot of times by that guest book entry or even the pictures, you know, if I typically if I look at a home that's hasn't been upgraded in 45 years and has four rocking chairs and a little porch, unless I'm really looking to get off the grid, I'll realize that's not for me. But it's unfair to give that home a one star because that might be exactly what someone who's uh, retired is looking for, right? So, yes, we have that, uh, but it's a little different than you're used to seeing. Is it always uh, empty homes or like I have a um, spare bedroom? So if someone wants to stay here, they're free to use that bedroom. And can can I be here as well? Yeah. So a lot of people love hosting. They just love it. And we do have a category we call hospitality. Uh, I think it's one of our biggest opportunities as a company to make that more front and center and explain to people how that might work. Uh, we do offer it. I'd estimate it's probably in the 2 to 3% of our um, the, the way in which our members utilize our site. But it does happen all the time. You know, I emailed a former exchanger uh, we exchanged with in Montana and, and told the couple, hey, we're coming out this week. We'd love to take you to dinner. And by the way, can you recommend a good hotel for one night until I go to this conference? They said, hey, we're going to be in Maui. Why don't you take our house? I had a feeling that even if they were there, their daughter's in college, they would have said, do you guys want the room? So it's very organic. Uh, it's probably 2 to 3% of our utilization. You can search for what we call hospitalities. Absolutely. And a lot of people love that because the whole reason they're home exchangers, they want more interaction. Uh, They don't want less. They're not doing it to maximize revenues from their rooms. They're not even on peer-to-peer sites. They're doing it to maximize human human interaction. If there is a typical user of the site, you know, quote-unquote typical, who would you say it would be? Is there a certain demographic that tends to utilize it more? Yeah. So I'd go back to what I said earlier. For the most part, Some people use their rentals as well, but for the most part, there are people that own homes that love to travel, that have some level of flexibility. And if you think through the type of people that have flexibility, they're active retired is number one. They're in the remote workplace, uh, number two. Uh, Their uh, families have less flexibility, but imagine you have two, three, four children to try to uh, afford and navigate all the logistics of a vacation with four or five hotel rooms, they're actually much more satisfied with the experience 
in exchanging with another family, and that's important to them to have a family-friendly home. Uh, and then the remote workplace, that's doubled in the last 10 years. So that's continuing to grow, and people realize that, uh, like me, uh, this summer, my whole family, we took two months and went to Europe, and we bounced around Europe, mainly exchanging. Do you find that uh, the most popular places tend to be uh, cities where hotels are super expensive, like, say, New York or Paris or London, or are they more uh, resort areas, beaches, mountains, that kind of thing? What's the most popular? You know, it's interesting. Uh, so just by sheer the law of big numbers, the New York, Paris, London, Amsterdam, uh, those are areas that are searched among the most on our site because of how big they are. I think sometimes in comparison with a uh, uh, smaller region, we lose perspective of how many people come and go to those places. So they're popular. Uh, and yet then we have areas, and a lot depends on how you interpret statistics, where uh, we have people that uh, just love to travel and take Australia or Iceland, for example, they really love to travel. It's part of their culture. They're very trusting. They're very open. Australians uh, take off for a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they're, they're, when I say persistent, I don't mean in an annoying way. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, they invest the time to plan that year. So we, I get lots of inquiries from Australia and, uh, uh, Iceland, one out of every thousand citizens in Iceland is a member of our service. It's the highest per capita we have uh, on earth, and a lot of that I attribute to culture. But then in terms of where people want to go, one of the biggest opportunities the sharing economies opened up is uh, places a little off the beaten track, and, and people more and more are looking for something different, and they're recognizing, you know... I don't really need to get my picture with Big Ben. I want to blank, fill in the blank, and it's very personal. Uh, we have 66,000 listings in 150 countries around the world, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a uh, bucket list item that you want to do that we couldn't help you with and to get you there. And you could probably, let's say you wanted to bike the Grand Tetons or hike Cortina Dampezzo in Italy, uh, not only can we get you there and find you a place, you probably would end up exchanging with someone who shared your passion that would give you a lot of pointers on how to do it effectively and help plan your trip. Not to play devil's advocate again, but do you ever find people that join up and they seem to take more than they give in terms of like they seem to be staying all over the world but don't seem to host that much? Uh, it doesn't really happen that often uh, at all. Uh, we, we've been in business for 23 years, and my numbers, that they, they may pale in comparison to what some of the peer-to-peer -peer rentals are doing, but over a million exchanges have been facilitated through our platform and search horrible, bad, uh, uh, fraudulent home exchange uh, in Google and tell me what you find. It's close to zero. And I think because of the reciprocity and the pre-screening that goes into that, if you have a really nice home, your standards are high on who you're going to let to stay there. So there's this natural self-selection that's a little Darwinian. 
that the takers and the people that don't want to be a participant, they want to be a free rider. Uh, they're they're not usually around for very long, and they don't usually find uh, the type of opportunities they're looking for because home exchangers naturally are um, looking for some level of engagement, and that's why. Even for me, you asked me initially how I found my way to the company. I was actually a member for two, three years, just waiting for the lottery ticket to arrive, and it never quite did. <laughs> and the way my, the tipping point for me was writing, spending an hour. You know, I wrote a really nice, I, the old way that you got introduced when you traveled. I wrote a letter of introduction of my family. Everything changed because people knew who I was. And so, the people that just want to take really quickly, they don't have a profile photo up. They don't say anything about their family. You don't know who they are. Those are big warning flags, and you're probably not going to exchange with people like that. You're going to be looking more at the faces and their personal stories than you are at their home over time. Yeah, I can uh, identify to that with the uh, <laughs> background <laughs> screening. And uh, for those of you listening, go to uh, TravelTalesPodcast.com and click on Articles and see my Airbnb adventure <laughs> of uh, renting to a heroin addict. Uh, <laughs> so I know what I, you mean. I, I, I will tell you with a high level of confidence, and I see a lot of funny things and feedback uh, – for the three years I've been at the company and seeing we do have a complaint process if there's a problem, I've never seen anything along the lines of of what you described <laughs> in your uh, – I, I assume it was a fictitious name in your uh, oh, yeah. Sid, and, Sid and Nancy experience. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a rough one. But uh, do you think that being said that because people are offering houses of their own – there is an extra added incentive to uh, to be on your best behavior, and you know it's you never know. You know they're putting up something more than cash. You know they're putting up their homes. You know I was at the We Share Fest in Paris talking about the future of the sharing economy, and and um, there there was a speaker there that said the biggest shift in society is we're shifting from speaking or, or thinking of ourselves as a currency-driven economy and we hoard our currency to being an economy that has an abundance of assets that we can channel to people that need them and will utilize them. And I know personally, if you had to ask me what are home exchangers like, I'd say they're all, they think of their stuff as something others can benefit from. And they're particular about how they're cared for and who they let use them, for sure. Very particular. But they feel if they have a vacation home sitting with boarded windows nine months a year, the maintenance goes up, it's underutilized, they feel wasteful and wrong about that, that's the type of community we have. They're very generous. That doesn't mean they're okay with people coming in, you know, using their stuff and, and you know, not writing a thank you note, keeping it clean and not expecting reciprocity, but really incredible group of people. Do you find people that have timeshares get involved in this? Uh, yeah, we, we do have timeshares on the site. Now, you know, going back to flexibility, if you have one week a year in uh, uh, Cabo San Lucas, uh, you're more restricted in what you can do with it. But I can guarantee if you have an attractive uh, timeshare and you wanted to uh, flip it into something else, guarantee that you could find something. Now, there are 
uh, major platforms that that is their only purpose to put your week in and get a week out. And they're because they're more focused on that, they probably do it uh, better than we do if that's all you want. Yeah. Uh, but if you're not looking to get into another timeshare, but you're looking to try something else out, hey, I don't want a timeshare. I want to stay in a home in this neighborhood that has no timeshares. Then uh, uh, we're we're your last stop. We're we're we we, we could easily facilitate that. What about the uh, you mentioned earlier about getting involved? And in was there a vetting process? I mean, do they a review when you join up? Do they look at your place, or do you? Is I mean. You, know, you have to submit photos and dis- descriptions of your house. Or is there a personnel and a background check? I don't know. What, what is the vetting process? Yeah. So, uh, and, and more and more in the open economy and, and having peers provide services, that becomes increasingly important. Historically, you know, you, you needed to be licensed as a hotel and now increasingly people are providing these level of services. So what you're describing is really important. So uh, we have over 26 people work in a global support and trust and safety department that takes that commitment very seriously to uh, pre-screen. And we're monitoring as listings go up and who's coming in, who they are. Uh, We have a number of red flags that trigger things both on a manual and a proprietary technology basis that sends warning signs up. Um, Having said that, and this is really important, uh, in my experience, criminals are notoriously lazy and it's so easy to put up, uh, it's less easy than it was two years ago, but you put up a fake listing and you you say, send me $500 to my bank account in XYZ. There's no money changing hands, right? So that common, the most common type of fraud in the in the accommodation industry are fake listings asking for money. Really difficult to take advantage of someone. There's a lot of work that would be involved in the home exchange environment. So we just don't see a lot of it. You know, what are you going to do? You have to you, post you, a fake home. And fly over to someone's <laughs> house to get in their house when if you want to burglarize someone's house, break a window, you know, in an area that you monitor, right? Right, exactly. It's, it all, so, yes, you can get access. And as I look at my home, I'm fully insured. I'm far more worried that there'd be a burglar in my home when I'm not there than home exchangers going to come in my home and steal something <laughs> right. that is there that I know who they are. I have emails. I have an email address, right? Um, but... Having said that, we're, we're always looking to better ways to pre-screen people. Uh, we're looking into introducing verifications where effectively you can take a picture of your passport and submit it to a service. Uh, we're looking at uh, adding insurance uh, as part of our membership. And that's more for assurance, giving you assurance that you're covered than insurance. <laughs> I just had a call this morning and in our assessment the general assessment was we wouldn't have any claims submitted on a typical year at all. It's more just to give people peace of mind. So when they're sleeping at another home, they're not worried about it. Right. Um, well, let's get to the fun stuff there. Give me your uh, best experience you've had using the service, using Home Exchange. Does something really stand out in your mind? 
I, 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 I have the, the, the hardest thing about our business is how you market it because it's not, it doesn't lend itself well to a, a, uh, a 30 second radio spot or a billboard. What it lends itself well to is amazing stories that, that people have had. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, just to give you a couple interesting data points on me, uh, home exchange, uh, our motto should be home exchange will change your life. And I can't tell you how many people have said, yeah, I traded with so-and-so and, and fill in the gap. We have people that have met the love of their lives through this. We've had people that moved across the world because of a serendipitous story I found my job this way. I joke that my daughter Madison is the youngest home exchanger in the world because she was born uh, on a home exchange in the house. <laughs> right? yeah. And uh, the, the most amazing thing about it, though, isn't about the home and isn't about what we did during the exchange. It's really about these relationships that you build. And when Hurricane Odelay hit Baja, I must have rented our home down there a hundred times. I didn't get one email from anyone saying, are you guys okay? Is your home okay? Uh, every single solitary person I home exchange with sent me something. Hey, I saw Odelay. Are you guys okay? Right? It's, it's a deeper relationship. Uh, and then just one more, we had an exchange lined up in Sardinia. You know, far trip, expensive ticket. And uh, a week before, uh, not a week before, uh, sorry, uh, a few months before um, the host said, I need to talk to you guys about something. I thought, oh, here we go. They're going to cancel. We got to rent a hotel. Got on the phone and she said, you know, I'm pregnant. And uh, my doctor told me I'm, I, I can't leave. I can't take the trip. I see. I told you. I gave my wife the look. And then uh, another minute passed and she said, uh, we rented a house. And we're going to move to that house so we can fulfill the commitment we made to you. We're going to be eight houses down the street. We spent a month in Sardinia with this family, with kids. We sent a gift basket when their child was born. She babysat for our child. You know, we're watching in pictures, watching our kids grow up. She still hasn't been here yet. And uh, I, I, it's not one. I could spend four hours describing the experiences we've had with others trading for a farm that when they joined, they said in the San Juan Islands, you know, no one wants a farm. We don't even have internet here. And I said, you have no idea how many people in New York City and LA and San Francisco to have a working farm with sheep and goats and a little pond. Are you kidding? <laughs> we would kill for this. Right. And, you know, she's one of our most active now. She's done 15 exchanges. This was two and a half years ago. She's retired. She has an RV as part of the trade, right? So over and over and over, the most common element to the story is on some level that's difficult to describe how, it has a fundamental impact on how people uh, live their life. And it opens a new chapter in their travel, how they approach travel, and, and, and on so many other levels. Well, when you see the sharing economy like this and with the advent of all this web-based uh, technology, how has it changed travel uh, in your life, and how do you see it going? Where do you see the future headed? 
Sure. So I see uh, I, I, I'm I'm the poster child of traveling with family, and I'll speak to that only, even though I think it goes so much beyond traveling with family. Just speak to what I know is uh, I think if you the, the most common question I used to get when I was traveling was I, I still do is was it fun? You know, first thing you yeah. see someone, oh my god, you food? guys were <laughs> you guys were just in so and so. Was it fun? Yeah, or how how was the food? And uh, we we spent a year in Tokyo, uh, right? And I wouldn't describe that. That wasn't an exchange. That was before home exchange. I wouldn't describe that as the most fun year of my life. And what I realized over the years is every time I'd answer that question, was it fun? I was asking myself the question of, why do I do that? I never answer it yes, right? And what I realized is that's the wrong question. The real question should be, was it meaningful, right? And I, I have, um, in, at the Family Travel Association later this week, I'm introducing my own formula and I call it the me quotient. And it's, is the meaningfulness, <laughs> word or not, greater than the expenditure you make from a, a time, inconvenience, money, hassle, the never again moments, TSA and otherwise. And if so, you're going to travel more. And I think most of us are looking for more meaning in our life. And if you look at the sharing economy and what it brings, okay, if you pick up the typical brand, uh, take Marriott and what you can get in another country. If you go to a Marriott in Paris, uh, sure, you're going to have a very comparable experience to what you have in the U.S. and you'll feel at home. Okay, but is that what you want? right? Probably not. You don't want the same thing. You're not going to Paris for the same thing, right? You want a meaningful experience. And when you introduce a lot of the elements that the sharing economy does, uh, historically, people love to interact with other people. Well, now we're interacting with brands. They want to interact with each other, right? That's why some of these companies are taking off because they enjoy that, right? And the meaningfulness that comes from the human interaction when you get back, uh, I think we're all struggling to not feel lonely in this world where our friends are defined by a number on a social media platform and we want the human connection and the sharing economy at some level is bringing that back where the peers are providers and the interaction you have when you start, you're approaching this in a very old world economy way saying, what is the value to me? How much am I saving? How much is this worth? But ultimately, what you realize is you can't put a value on how cool and interesting your driver is and how clean the car is. And that's why reviews and all these other things play into it. Uh, but it's that experience that that adds. And I think the evolution of the sharing economy is bringing back the human element back into our lives. And it's so rewarding on so many levels. Well, real quick, as a traveler here, I always have some um, standard questions I seem to ask every guest. Uh, give me your top three favorite countries to visit. Sure. Uh, well, I love uh, Italy. Uh, my wife's Italian. I, I love the, the value of family there. Of course, I love the food there. <laughs> uh, and whenever anyone asks, 
what my favorite places are, I always say it turns on where I have the best relationship with people and that takes time to develop, right? And how kind they are and friendly. So I've developed that over the years and they're friendly. Uh, For the same reasons, I love Mexico and I think the U.S. media has done a disservice to how incredible and generous the people are there, all parts of Mexico, everyone else in the world except for Americans seem to realize what we have right at our border. Uh, And I think I have a a very young love affair with Canada uh, right now because, again, uh, I'm discovering how vast and unexplored I love the sense of adventure and it's so new to me uh, and it's so untapped and pretty easy to get to. Uh, so those, those are three, uh, and you know, (laughs) that's over several, uh, cups of coffee or beers. I could, I could cover all corners of the world with (laughs) you, but those are three. What's the craziest thing you've ever eaten in a uh, foreign country? Uh, well, uh, both of them were in, in, uh, Asian countries. They were raw chicken in, uh, in Japan that is a la sushi style. And I was assured it was one of the finest Japanese restaurants in the country. So I had nothing to worry about. It (laughs) tasted fine. Uh, and the other, uh, the only thing ever that, that I didn't really embrace or enjoy was, uh, uh, in China chicken feet. Oh, yeah. And just the, it's all nothing to do with the taste. I'm sure in retrospect, the taste was fine. (laughs) The texture and there's nothing like feeling a fingernail, oh, <laughs> you know, boy. a toenail in your mouth. So th- those would be two, but I pretty much would try anything anywhere. So you didn't get sick from the raw chicken? Uh, the raw? No, not at all. But wow. I, I, I had to resist an impulse from put, feeling a toenail in my mouth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Did uh, any frightening uh, flights or horrible airport experiences? Uh, we've all had both and, (laughs) you know, I, I really am hopeful that, uh, technology and, and the evolution of, of cars and, and, and flights and guys like Elon Musk are going to help solve some of these for us. But, uh, we had what felt like a crash landing to me and it turns out it was someone had a heart attack on the flight and they didn't tell us what was going on and just went straight down. Uh, and it was a communication issue. Uh, but I will say without a doubt, and I travel a lot, is travel days suck. And there's so much you can do if you realize that and realize, well, once you get there, it's so enjoyable. There's a lot you can do to make the travel days a whole lot easier. And I think even airports are getting better at making a uh, a uh, airport feel like a spa. You know, they're right. they're they're evolving Finally, man, it's taken a long time for that to happen. Uh, you're a surfer, I'm guessing. I am. By I'm a your surfer. photo here on the yep. uh, thing, you got a you got a surf uh, shows you surfing. Give me your uh, your best surf spot that maybe people don't know about, and you're gonna you, ruin you, the secret. Probably, yeah. You could you could get me in a lot of trouble for that, but <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I'll give you a hint, and I, it's not really a, a secret. But uh, my son is named Byron, and the name comes from Byron, Byron Bay, Bay, Australia. Yeah, so uh, that is just the vibe and the what a great town! I was there once. It was twenty years ago almost, but man, I I loved it. 
Yeah, and I my son's never been, but I I wanted to give him something to look forward to, and someday he's going to take a pilgrimage and figure out where he got his name. Right, so <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Are there homes in Byron Bay to exchange? Uh, yeah, yeah, we oh, have great. we have we have. I haven't done an exchange there yet, but uh, we we will, and we have had exchange offers. Uh, it's a big commitment to for us now to to get down under, but we will most certainly get there probably in the next two to three years. So, how far reaching has uh, home exchange gotten in terms of like Asia and places like that? So. I think that the uh, what we're learning, you could almost, and we have done lots of anthropological studies on who members are, and the cultural element and thinking like a, I'll call it Western educated, and I use the word Western in a very egocentric way, probably. Yeah. Uh, so it, 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 we're all over the world. You want to go to Bali, Malaysia, Thailand, China, Hong Kong, Japan, no problem, but on a per capita basis, there's something that is happening from a cultural perspective where our culture is embracing the sharing economy. And by our culture, you know, 25% of our site are Americans, 75% are the rest of the world. We're in 15 languages. The further out you go from a cultural perspective. You know, when I lived in Japan, it wasn't Western friendly. Right. right. If you live in a tiny, tiny, tiny house and everyone in your culture takes their shoes off. Hmm. Right. Uh, they're not necessarily at ease with someone occupying their home and adhering to the same standards. Now, that's all changing. Right. With the adoption of a Western mentality to yeah. travel. But it, it's 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 happening uh, and the rate of change in society in general uh, with languages, culture, and technology, man, you know, look at 10 years ago. If you ever thought that a stranger in an unmarked car would pick you up at the airport and that would be the fastest growing company in the world, yeah. uh, you'd be shocked. So these things are all changing and we benefit from that. Right. Um, finally, what do you think all this travel in your life how has it changed you as a person and the way you look at the world? Oh, wow. What a fabulous question. Uh, we're, we're, uh, it, it has fundamentally impacted who I am and, and how I see the world and how I see my family and, and my region and my friends. And, um, but then this started with travel well before home exchange uh, there's a Mark Twain has one of my favorite quotes and I wish I could just rattle it off. But the essence of it is that travel is one of the strongest antidotes for prejudice and bigotry. And when you travel and I'm not talking about staying at a, uh, a, an accommodation with a certain number of stars. I mean, when you're really living like a local somewhere, to me, it's absolutely impossible uh, not to have empathy and compassion for others and a better sense of what's really going on in the world because of sensationalism and headlines. Uh, I just got back from Greece for a week. I was there three weeks ago, and I had a lot of people in my own family saying, are you really going now with everything going on there? Well, you know... <laughs> 
um, it's incredibly safe and the Greek people are still, you know, playing their local instruments and eating their local foods and welcoming people like us. So uh, I think it's, uh, it has a tremendous impact. Uh, we're seriously debating taking our family on a year of exchanging, pulling them out of school, homeschooling them for a year because wow. our belief is that uh, time with your parents and time spent with people of other cultures has will have a bigger impact on your life than anything else you can study. Wow, that, what a great experience for them that would be. Uh, there's a lot of discussion at this household, but that, that's a lot of a lot of lot goes into the planning. But uh, uh, I, I I see travel uh, with with some planning and and thinking about how you're making it meaningful, not just taking a uh, Fromer's guide and checking top ten things to see in X Y Z, but you know how you're going to integrate and assimilate in some ways. I think there's nothing more valuable uh, in your life. And in fact, in the last two months, there's been a published scientific study that says the investment in travel long term, the impact on your life, your outlook and and, um, how you think has a far greater impact than any physical asset you could buy. You know, yourself a new car, new bike, new surfboard. Uh, Traveling has a much more long lasting impact on your life. I totally agree. And, uh, hey, I really appreciate you doing this today. I, I, it was great talking to you, and I love, the, uh, I love the website and everything. I'm thinking of doing it myself. Well, well I, 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 you ask tremendous questions, and uh, <laughs> you obviously share the wanderlust Absolutely. Uh, that, that, that I do. We'd, we'd love to get you set up, and if I can answer any questions, let me know. I really enjoyed uh, uh, the discussion. Maybe I'll start a uh, Baby Steps, and I'll trade with you in uh, Orange County there, if you ever want to come up to the big city here. I would love to. <laughs> let, uh, it, it, be careful what you wish for, because <laughs> those little uh, offers, you, you'd be surprised at how quickly i jump on them. <laughs> Great. All right, man. Jim Pickell, everybody. Thank you so much, and it's homeexchange.com, right? That's exactly right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Take care. Take care. 